welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, for those of you who are brand new, uh, I always appreciate your time. We try to make sure that we use your time wisely. So without uh, wasting a lot of it, I have again today, my brother, Jason Guidos has joined us and he's got a topic that he wanted to bring to the table. He was, uh, you know, uh, he was perusing, I guess, and came across something. So I'm going to hand the mic over to him and let him get us rolling right away. All right, cool. So I came across a review and it, there's two parts to it. One that talks about identifying what a a person's opinion is on a topic. And the second part of that says that um, without that knowledge, that the, the traction of understanding where you're going, let's say with this podcast will, will never take off. Like it'll just never grab hold. And it got me thinking how, like what is what is the world's or society's or a community's what is the necessity to understand what one's position is at all times like why do why are we forced to take a position at any given moment on anything why can't we just discuss it in an open uh with an open dialogue like what is i don't understand it i don't quite get it we all have our opinions but why do we have, why do I have to know yours? And why do you have to know mine? And why do we have to know the persons that, that we don't even know? We just see them somewhere on, on social media or see them wherever. Like, why do we have to know? But what's the, what's the draw? Ooh, that's a good question. So it reminds me of uh, this interaction that I had just this week with, with somebody I was, uh, I was on Twitter and they had posted this question. Uh, they said, what makes you follow or like or subscribe to a, a, a person on Twitter uh, or a different platform? And they listed like seven options. And the ones that were being chosen the most were like-minded. Uh, that it, it was about the echo chamber. And to be honest, from a therapeutic lens, that's scary as crap because it, it's so easy to get locked into an echo chamber and assume that anybody who doesn't think or feel or experience the way that we do is, is an extremist. And it's just not reality. That is it's, it's the reality that we, we, paint for ourselves by putting ourselves in a particular container. Why do we do it from a therapeutic lens? It's pretty, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to explain. It's we're, we're tribal by nature. We're relational. We want to connect and that's good, but how we connect matters. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at with the, the dialogue piece when I look at dialogue, dialogue takes on its own life. So 
you know, when I look at an echo chamber, this is, this is the therapeutic lens. And I'm, I'm just thinking this stuff out loud because you know, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know exactly what was coming. I had a little bit of an idea, but in, in relationships, uh, most people say that, you know, there's, there's you and there's me, uh, but that's not true. When you create dialogue, there's you, there's me, and then there's us the creation of what you and I together can make, which is why, you know, in a a room of three people, you're not just dealing with three, you're dealing with you and me, you're dealing with me and the other person. And so, you know, you create that. And then there's the us that exists, the you and me that exist in the us, and then the me and them that exist that's an us. And so you're actually dealing with 10, nine because of the, the dynamics and then 10 because of we all create something again if we are open-minded that is uniquely not yours, mine, or theirs. It's ours as a whole. And so it gets really complicated really fast. Whereas to be honest, if we're not socially mature, it's super easy to just think it's you and me and go for that like-minded. Well, they think like me, so they're like me and I'm going to like them. And, oh, yay, look at us. We say the same things. We think the same things until all of a sudden we don't. And, you know, and that's where you get these the silencing culture. So I went down a lot of paths there. Um, I guess when it comes to the necessity for taking a position, uh, I guess I would I would lean to... Uh, it's a clarifier of, are we like-minded? So that's the most simplified answer. Got it. Okay. So, so let me ask then, is it like a, is it like a curiosity thing? Is it like a human uh, condition where we're, where we're curious, we want to know, just because we want to know, even if it doesn't do anything for us. And so it, it might be as simple as that, or is it, is it more relational in that it's, it's a bonding thing where if I know what you think, then I, we can tighten our bond because maybe it's, it, it affirms something or it loosens the bond because it goes against something. Mm-hmm. Is it like, where does it fall? So this goes toward my like theoretical orientation. So you got to take this a tiny bit of, uh, with a grain of salt. I, I think, uh, you know, being a, uh, you know, what I call, well, what the profession calls Rogerian client centered, person centered. Um, that's, those are all interchangeable vocabularies in, in the uh, mental health. And so basically one of those components is the relationship being a core element to, to our design. And if that's the case, which I think it is, um, you know, based on my theoretical orientation, but also based on my experiences, then I would say it's it's because we want to connect. And unfortunately, when we're doing that through, say, social media and stuff like that, we consider like-mindedness on social media to be the only real factor. It's not about growth as much as uh, it would be in, say, uh, an actual real relationship, a person to person in real life kind of thing. Even for instance, doing a video like this with you and me, there's more connection. There's more 
uh, realness to this, even though we're using a technological platform, because I can see your mannerisms, you can see my mannerisms, and we can feed off of each other in a way that isn't about, well, can we, you know, be like-minded together and um, maybe even ally to attack somebody who's different-minded than us, whereas we can actually, you know, have a more realistic, uh, natural-based relationship, which is tough because can you do that on social media? You can, but you have to be really diligent to do it. It is so incredibly difficult. And to be honest, uh, almost nobody takes the time to do that. Got it. And well, and there's the historical component too, because we have history grown up. So we have that to kind of draw from. So I'm wondering, like, you know how when people meet, let's say in a, in a uh, stressful situation. So uh, you and I were in the military and, and there were times where it got very stressful. We didn't know the people we were with. um, So to speak, we, we got to know them kind of over time, but they were, you know, we would meet them at boot camp or meet them in, in training or meet them in a, you know, a real life scenario, whatever it is. Um, We would get to know them in a very specific context. And then maybe we became really close and we would get to know them later. That's when all the other stuff would come out, like what your personal thoughts on this or what do you feel about this? Um, But but even if you disagreed, that history was strong enough that those disagreements didn't become polarizing because there are plenty of of Marines um, that – that I got to know and that I disagree with maybe now. Um, but that doesn't change the the fact that we're both Marines and that bond is, is unseverable in a way, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. how, so, so the historical component, the, the relationship, how it developed, those personal thoughts are different than on social media where you first meet someone because of those thoughts, like they're the, the timelines inverted. So mm-hmm. how does that play out? Yeah, that's so you're talking about understanding people in multiple contexts and and the 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 timing at which we create our initial connection, that initial um relationship essentially, right? Mm-hmm. And when we when we do that from a polarized position, we see them, we view them as the enemy, which is something that is inherently uh, a defense mechanism that we have. Great. We have that defense mechanism, but we also have a prefrontal cortex. We have the ability to think beyond that and go, wait a minute, are they actually the enemy or do they just think differently? Unfortunately, on social media, we don't typically, unless we are intentional, we are not engaging that part of our being. Um, we, we get stuck in the, we see them as the enemy, find my allies, buddy up and attack, 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 because that's the enemy. Their thought process is the enemy. You know, we see that a lot with things like, uh, abortion or we, you know, the, uh, the, the, the racism that's, that's floating all over social media. It's, it's attack campaigns is what it is. And it's not how we have to be. Uh, we can do it differently. Um, and the way to do that is to create multiple contexts. One of the things I used to used to say all the time is I, I can find something I have in common with everybody out there. 
because I'm a bit of a foodie. I like to eat different kinds of food. You know, I love it when somebody introduces me to something, you know, from a different culture that I haven't experienced and I, I get to you know, explore the world with my taste buds. I just, I, I don't know why I just enjoy that. And I can inevitably find a common ground. They're like, this is my favorite dish from when I was a kid. And I'm like, sweet. I'm looking forward to experiencing your childhood through this dish. Hmm. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it, you know, it reminds me of Ratatouille actually. Like yeah, I just yeah. love that moment of whoosh, it takes me back right. or it takes me to you. And we can do that, but we have to be intentional and people often aren't. They, you know, they, it's easy to get wrapped up in, in the problem as opposed to, no, you're a person first and you're a position second. You're a thought second. You're a, uh, you know, you're, you know, but we don't do that. And so I went in the, in a the therapy world, when I sit with, uh, clients, uh, they, you know, they'll sit on my couch and, you know, and I I'm sitting there, we'll just chat and talking about stuff. And then, and then, you know, they'll bring up something about like, you know, I just don't feel like I have very many friends or something like that, which is really common because mm -hmm. the truth of the matter is most of us don't have, you know, more than maybe two or three people that are truly fit into the category of friend. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's a reality, whether you're one of the most favorite, famous people on the planet or you're Joe Schmo from, you know, around the corner. There's because when we talk about real friendship, we are talking about real depth. Mm -hmm. And most people tend to have relationships that are, I, I categorize them into three different categories. You got your one, twos, and threes out of 10. One, twos, and threes are going to be you interact with them. Sometimes you bump into them a little bit more frequently because you are in similar areas. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a couple of times a week, I might bump into them or something like that. And then you got your, your fours, fives, and sixes, which is, is your, these are people that you may have hung out with a time or two there. Uh, there's a little bit more depth to it. You know, a little bit about their family, maybe, uh, you know, if they've got pets in their home, uh, but you don't really know a ton about them personally. And then you've got your, 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 you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, and those are going to be your friends. And some people can't handle having very many seven, eight, nines, and tens. And so they go really broad. They get a hundred people that they would see as one, twos, and threes. And they're like, oh, that fills me up but they don't have the depth of relationship. And so when we're looking at understanding people in multiple contexts, it pushes us toward those seven, eight, nines, and tens. Mm -hmm. And for some people, especially in our current culture, right? We have, we have this, uh, this narcissistic tendency in our culture right now. Mm -hmm. The idea of, I don't have to care about them. Their ideas are stupid. And this right. judgmental name calling crap that goes on. Well, if we push somebody like that toward a seven, eight, nine, or 10, they get scared. And that forces them into a position where they ally harder. They get more aggressive in all the wrong relational ways, if that makes any sense. No, I right? think so it I does. I just rabbit hold. What did you like? No, what no, did you no. Pick so, it up? Well, okay. So kind of near the beginning of when you were talking um you're talking about how like there's not enough time to create sort of that 
uh, that depth, I guess, where you, you really understand where someone may be coming from. And it made me think of like, um, it, it's really, you're describing like road rage in a sense where there, there's meaning to you driving, there's meaning to someone else driving. And then when meanings cross over, then you attribute some malice to the other and they attribute malice to you. And then there's no, there's no human to human at that point. It's just purely adversarial, right? Where, where you think they did something to you. And so you do something to them, which they interpret as being done to them. And at some point it becomes real, right? Um, but at first, all it was, was just a simple mistiming and an overlap of something. And, and so that, that's what's just what it made me think of. And I thought that was kind of funny when you were talking, I was like, what the heck? That's totally like road rage. Um, and anyway, so I think that's kind of funny because you're, you're, you're not taking the time to, to truly understand where someone is coming from. Right. Uh, and, and I think you're right. A hundred, hundred percent. It's, it's frustrating because we don't have the time to understand everyone's context that's true so we got to be fair to ourselves in that as well right it's like 24 hours in a day and you're going to bump into 50 people you can't you don't have time for 50 perspectives you've got to kind of categorize them in levels of priority you know and then sometimes you just sometimes you just get it wrong and that's fair um but but i think you have to getting back to my original point is you have to, you have to understand they're real and understand that you have a certain perspective and that their perspective might differ from yours, but you don't have to, you don't have to just know it all the time. Sometimes you can just accept it. Right. And then discuss it when there is time to maybe understand more. Or maybe you don't need to understand more because it's not, it's not a relationship that's going to go anywhere where I see these things online. These relationships aren't real. They're not. They're just, they're, they're those one, twos and threes. They're that, they, in fact, I think they might even be in the decimals. We're talking about online stuff. They might be even be the points, right? The point fives and the point sixes. Yep. These are just communities that you identify with in some way, whether it is a podcaster or it's a, a group that you join on some whatever group. Um, and, and, and they make you feel like you belong, but they're not real. They're not, they're not, there's no depth there. Like you were discussing in the second half of what you're saying. So it doesn't, so it doesn't matter. Like, like, why do we have to know? Why do we have to care so much? Like I have to, so getting back to the very first thing, like why does this person or someone who listens to this with the intent of understanding your perspective, I, it doesn't matter. You're providing, you're providing avenues to consider. You're not providing your personal thoughts on it so that they will either like you or not like you. I'd rather, I'd rather a thousand people listen to you and not know where you're coming from than um, then a thousand people follow you because they know exactly where you're coming from because, yep. because you're, you're not, you're not challenging them if that's the case. And I'd rather, I like being challenged and, 
And I think most people do. They just don't want to admit it. They like that. Uh, or, or maybe we've gotten to a point in society where they don't want that because it scares the crap out of them. That's... I don't know, but, but I don't, you know, you kind of know where I'm going with that. I do. I, I think that's part of the scariest part for me as a therapist is uh, culturally right now, we are in this weird spot, uh, as we called it, cultural puberty, where oh, people right. do, they really do want to hear themselves. It's selfish. Oh, let me paint it for you like this, because this is one of those opportunities for me to challenge people in their own thinking. When we make a mistake, say, let's go to your road rage example. When we sure. make a mistake, and we accidentally cut somebody off. And we know we did, but we know we did it on accident because you know, we looked, we looked back, we looked, we looked back and we thought, oh, I've got plenty of space. We pull out and we realize, oh my gosh, uh, they got here much quicker than I thought. Instead of like getting mad at ourselves, calling ourselves dummies and being like self-critical, we give ourselves grace in that moment because we know what our thinking was. Mm -hmm. And since we don't know what their thinking was, what we then do is look for reasons why, well, if I tried to do the right thing, I'm forgivable. That must mean they're going too fast. And that all happens in, in a matter of like a half a second, mm -hmm. right? We, we, we forgive ourselves because we know our thinking. And since we don't know their thinking, it's much easier to point at them and blame them. And that's part of the problem on social media is we, we get stuck in the problem, not the person. Mm -hmm. And when we're there, when we're in the problem, we can give ourselves space to, to be forgiven because we're there trying to grow trying to expand our horizon. That's what we tell ourselves. Right, and then, right. and then what we're actually doing is trying to defend a position. We're getting stuck in the problem and negating that on the other side of that comment that we didn't like is a human being with an experience that might be different than mine, that maybe they've encountered something that leads them to think that if we go down this path, it's going to make things worse. And so they forgive themselves if they're wrong, knowing that they're there to grow, but then they attack us back. And we end up in this stupid cycle of, instead of actual growth, it's just defend, defend, attack, attack, defend, attack. Yeah, see that's, and that's okay. And that's kind of my problem with social media, which is why I don't have it because I can't stand this stuff. But it's because text has no context, but, and that's what drives me absolutely nuts. Because, like you said, you're you're not you're not attacking. You're attacking the text. You're attacking the problem, in in a sense of 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 how you interpreted something that's in forty characters or whatever it is. There's, but there is a person behind that. That if you were to sit and talk with them it would be way different than what those 40 words said and what your 40 words said in response to that. And all you're doing is going back and forth with uh, letters and characters, whatever they are. And it doesn't, it doesn't ascribe any actual intent or, or understanding or seeking understanding. 
because you're you're not actually you're just saying your point. It's it's like listening, but only to yourself while you're having a conversation. That's what it feels like on social media. It's probably maybe even a little bit worse than that. Maybe worse. Because here's here's what I see as a, a major factor also. We assume tone. The, when I talk about paraverbals and I say something like, okay, so this is when I teach it, 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 it as a, right. uh, as a clinical work, I'll sit with somebody yeah. and I'll say, okay, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to say three words. I'm going to say the exact same three words, three different times. And I want mm-hmm. you to tell me if they all mean exactly the same thing. And then I go, okay, here we go. You ready? Are you ready? Okay. But, but, but then I warn them, it might get a little awkward. Okay. It's three words, but it might get a little awkward. All right. Okay. And, and I do this because it's, it's the easiest way to teach it. In my opinion, I say, okay, here we go. I love you. And then I say, all right, that was one. Here we go again. I love you. <laughs> Same three words. Same three words. All right. One more time. I love you. Right. Three totally different meanings. And if somebody can't see that, or I should say, hear that. Right. That's a problem. And so what we see on social media a lot is we assume tone. We, 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 we assume that the, I love you is, you know, sarcastic or serious. We assume that it is, you know, fast or slow. We like, we make all of these assumptions on social media that totally diminish the experience. And so, you know, what we see now is more and more people doing what you and me are doing right now. We're seeing it move toward, I hope, I'm, I'm optimistic at least. Mm-hmm. And that's the therapist in me. Got to, got to stay optimistic. Sure. The, I, we're, we're seeing more people going to, well, let's, let's do this in video form. Let's right. give people the tone, volume, and cadence. Let's give them some of the nonverbals. You know, is this a person who uses a lot of hand gestures? How big is his beard this week? Like whatever. Okay. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. It, and it creates, it truly does create a better connection. Is it still the greatest? No, because these, the, we, we have the snippet world, right? We, we take a snippet mm-hmm. and we, you know, tear it out of context and we say, oh my gosh, he was saying this. But when you see it in context, you go, um, that was sarcasm. He was being funny. And actually that's kind of funny, right. you know, not necessarily my favorite kind of joke because it, you know, it can be misperceived, but in the context, that's pretty funny. Right. Yeah. I, I like that uh, component. I think, I think it was around 2013. So it was about 10 years ago. I made a commitment to the, my business that I was running at the time. And then also um, when I got into teaching and I was doing that as well, um, when someone would send me an email with some misunderstanding right or maybe they understood it perfectly from the information they were given um and so it could have to do with either a client or with a student and it was a parent or something like that i made it a point to basically thank them for their email and then set up an appointment to talk in person um mm-hmm. to discuss 
and not address any of their points, which I know they did not like some of them. Some of them really appreciated it. Some of them just wanted, they're like, I'm so busy. I don't have time um, kind of a thing. And I'm, and so I would just kindly respond, respond and say, well, when you do have time, I definitely want to address your concerns, you know, so let me know and, you know, and bring it up. And if they, if they have time to send an email because of something they don't understand, I know they can find time to meet with me for five or six minutes to discuss it. And they just don't want to, they want, they want the text. They want it in writing, which I appreciate. There's plenty of things that I also want in writing, right? Like is, is my contract ended, (laughs) right? Like I signed up for a one month. Is my contract ended? Please send me an email. But this is not one of those things. This is like, you have a concern with your student and their grade or, or with a payment or something like that. Let's talk about this, you know, and every single time every single time when they would meet we would figure out we're all we're on the same page they understand it from their students perspective from my perspective and i understand their perspective and we would address it and it would be so much better yep. so much better and, and faster like at the end way of the day, faster way more efficient uh, you you reminded me when i was in uh, uh residential programming kind of settings mm-hmm. which is you're more like crisis treatment um mm-hmm. we're, we're borderline crisis treatment or at many times we actually were in crisis treatment programs uh, because you know kids uh the kids that i worked with were all like older teens and stuff and uh you know they, they when i percolated to leadership positions one of the things that I made a habit of doing, and I would get a little bit of crap for doing it sometimes because people would be like, why don't you just stay there and have them come to you? It'll be more efficient. And, you know, I think partly it's because my my presence made other people, you know, feel like I'm watching them, but they got used to it, right? Like I would get up and I would just be out. I made a point of every day checking in with the teachers. I made a point of every day checking in with the other therapists that I uh, had responsibility to. I mean, in leadership, we we learn pretty quickly that when we when we have people that are essentially reporting to us, that that means that I'm actually serving them. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I made a, a point at going to the administrative folks uh, that you know, were my peers and checking in with them and, you know, the different the different entities around the program and on a daily basis. And at first it creates a discomfort because they feel like you're you're spying on them or you're watching them. But eventually what it does is it's it makes you accessible mm-hmm. um, and relational accessibility is a critical component. And mm-hmm. truthfully, we're not super relationally accessible on social media. We're just not. You're a, yeah, you're either a, a, a rebounder because you're just, something gets thrown at you and you just throw it back at them and say, yep, you're right. And then you're done. Um, or you're a, uh, or you're a hater. And so they just, are, oh, okay, I'm done with you. And then they just cut it off. Something yeah. like that. That's kind of what you look for, but. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's weird because, you know, I, I want to go back to the, the original thing. And that is, I like not knowing things and maybe that makes me unique, but I, I like not knowing what someone's position is on everything because it's part of the discovery process. 
you can kind of feel it out as you grow. And if it never, if the relationship never gets to the point where that becomes either a necessity or, or something that just comes up, then it never would have mattered in the first place Yep. because it doesn't, because you're just, you're the person that works, you know, two offices down from me. I see you, I say, hi, we're pleasant and we could be on complete opposite ends and it wouldn't matter because I can be cordial and so can they. And yep. we're good. But if the relationship grows, then it becomes something that can come up, but it comes up in the right order and it comes up when necessary. And then you can, that, that, that the relationship having that, that, uh, that depth and that history then can mediate those on its own without getting to a point of conflict where you're just like, Oh, you got to be kidding me. Now I hate you. And I can't believe you work next to me and now I got to move somewhere else or I have to quit or this and that because I can't stand this because now I know. No, well, it it's not necessary. It's only necessary if the relationship grows to a point where it becomes part of that relationship. And that's why you have two Supreme Court justices who can have exact opposite opinions be friends. And to me, that's amazing. Or in other contexts, whatever you want to. Yeah, no, it should be that way. Look, what you're highlighting is the nature of growth, the 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 way in which we grow, and if people learn to grow, like I've been doing this this podcast segment uh, that you're the problem. And I'm not telling people that they are the problem. What I'm saying is, if you're not interested in growth, you actually are the problem, right? Because because the process of growth makes us appreciate all the things we don't know. And it makes us look forward to that discovery process because that's yeah. the growth model. We, we have to not know in order to grow. You know, a, a perfect example of that. And this is probably actually a really good summary for, for what we're doing. I tell a little story here, um, a super brief story. And, and then I'll get you out of here because I know you're on the timeline too. Cool. The, the, uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, most people remember Abraham Lincoln for being the president, for being one of the catalysts, major catalysts for abolishing slavery in the United States. Slavery does not exist here. It hasn't for a long time. That doesn't mean there's not some race issues at times. Sure. But slavery is not here. And he was credited for a lot of these things. He also died for them. He went to be elected something like nine times or eight times or something ridiculous like that. And he only won, I think, two or three of them, mm-hmm. which nowadays we, when we see politicians run, if they fail more than two or three times, they consider their professional you know, desires done. They quit. They don't keep going. What would have happened if Abraham Lincoln had quit because he had failed two or three times? I mean, he failed the first two or three times, I think, before he ever went anywhere, right? Like it, it's, you know, the idea of not knowing. He, he also, he borrowed money to start a business. He borrowed money from his best friend and spent like 17 years paying him back. He did not manage money well the first two times he started businesses. They both failed. And yet as the president, by the time he got there, because he continued the growth process. As a president, he went from, we had a national debt when he took office and 
we had gold in the bank. It was gold in the bank at that time. Mm -hmm. We were profitable as a nation when he got shot. That's amazing. He was the last president that we ever had that had profitable, uh, you know, history of economics in our country. Like we've been in debt ever since he was out of office. So that, that idea of the unknown being the, the, or the failures being Mm -hmm. the growth opportunity, like that is a huge, huge win for everybody in the audience. Mm learning to you know accept that that not knowing is as beautiful as the knowing because it's the not knowing that helps us do the growing to get there. right so you know that's yeah. awesome man i'm glad you brought that up all right well hey i know you got to run uh thanks for joining me for all of you in the audience we appreciate your time i hope you enjoyed this conversation it was a little more chill a little more relaxed and uh super fun so Uh, Hopefully this helped you in some way uh, to be better on social media, uh, to be better agents of change in your own life. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information. 